Annie Spong, and welcome to Romancing the Screen, the podcast where intimacy coordinators bear it all. I'm here with my beloved colleagues. I'm Catherine O'Keefe. Hi, I'm Rachel Flesher. And our producer, Adam <laughs> Avalos. Avalos. Is that how you pronounce it? Hello. It's Avalos, but it doesn't really matter. It does matter, Adam. <laughs> yes. You matter, Adam. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I, I've gotten Avalos a lot, which is kind of grating to my ears, but... That's Avalos me. Avalos for Avalos is fine. That's what I said. The Oklahoma in me came right out. It was Avalos. Avalos. My, my sister is actually from Oklahoma. So that's kind of how, that's a whole other story. Uh, we found out she existed when she was 43, but oh my she's from Oklahoma and she, that's how she said her last <laughs> name when she found out that's anyway. Oh my uh, gosh. It's so that's funny. a story for a different time. Wow. Just drop it. That's a, that's a different episode. That's a different yeah. podcast. That's a different podcast altogether. <laughs> We're so happy you're here, Adam. Adam is yeah. uh, Adam has joined us to help produce this podcast because though we are incredibly talented intimacy coordinators, uh, none of us really care to choose to put our energy into learning how to produce a podcast all on our own. And we found that out the long and hard way. So uh, we're super thankful to have your support, Adam. Of course. Happy to be here. And we're super pumped today to talk about our kind of next continuing series on why we do the work we do. And when we were chatting before we turned on our recordings, Annie and Catherine brought up this amazing point that we kind of get stuck on all the time. And uh, that is, how do you know if you need us? How do you know if you need an intimacy coordinator? Yeah, where is the entry point for our work and us being hired? And who who gets to ask for that? And how do you know? And what's the level? What's intimacy, quote unquote? And what's nudity and simulated sex? And I'm like, how do you know? Like, we definitely should go down this road and hire an intimacy coordinator. So one thing that I think causes a lot of confusion on set with actors, directors, and also crew members is that SAG-AFTRA doesn't actually have a definition of sex or nudity, which means that each legal department for each, you know, network or, you know, cable company, they define what sex and nudity is differently based on what they think SAG-AFTRA means, which means it can be wildly inconsistent between network to network what counts as nudity and what counts as sex, which I think causes actors a lot of confusion for why these things aren't consistent. And there is on that vein, though there's lots of amazing material that SAG-AFTRA has put out into the world about like how to prepare for your intimacy that you might be performing on set. That is not one that is bullet pointed currently on the site, really, that like you check in with the studio's definitions of simulated sex and nudity because each person, each individual has their own boundaries around what they would consider simulated sex and nudity. I think Catherine brought up the great example on a previous episode about how you read the words on the page, they go at it. And that can mean to one person full simulated sex and to another person a handsy makeout or just some kissing. So really going ahead and not being afraid to ask if you see 
something on a page. Uh, oh, cool. Like for this network, if we're doing something on ABC, that's different than doing something for HBO. Uh, what are we allowed to show? Interestingly, sometimes more of the networky shows have like a much more loosey-goosey approach, much laxer in their definition of what simulated sex is, which I find kind of fascinating. The other inconsistency that we've all found is that it's different for each gender. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so binary. It's so yes. binary. And if you're a person with male body parts versus a female body part person, those are two different definitions. Yes, I have all the air quotes going up about those male body part, female body, all, all these. And, and you can call every legal department and every legal department will also say, well, oh, it's a case by case basis. And it's like, is it though? Does that make people feel yeah. the most safe? I'm sorry. I'll get off my soapbox. Any fact. No, it's true. true. <laughs> having worked- no, it's, it- Go ahead. Okay, no, just having worked on a show with like trans people who had surgery and non-binary people or trans people who had not, it was very frustrating that the legal department I worked on, on a network that prides itself on being queer friendly, just very much had the like, their way of being gender neutral, they thought was just being like, well, if you have breasts, then it counts as topless. If you don't have breasts, it doesn't count as topless, which is like, that was their attempt, but it's still like, there was, it was very, very difficult to make it an actually like gender affirming like show when you're talking about sex, when like all of the legality of what they're signing is not very like affirming or recognizing of different genders. And this, this just points to one aspect of, you know, when do you entertain hiring an intimacy coordinator? What's, you know, at what intersection. And we have had the intersection of actors requesting it. We've had the intersection of a director, a producer, an executive, a writer. And as we back up further, we're actually finding that really the intersections is the most effective for full scope understanding of the project is in casting. Because having these conversations with actors and writers prior to casting gives more opportunity for the vision to really land in a space that it was intended. Because we've all, at least I have numerous times gone the back end where the actor's been hired, but they haven't actually discussed the intimacy with the actor in any full scope. And the actor has a different boundary than the vision of the project. Yeah. And it has gone sideways numerous times. Uh, One thing I have really found um, is I've only ever gotten the chance to work with casting a couple of times. It's pretty rare, but it's always so much easier if the casting department has access to us and we can actually talk through the plan for these scenes before actors are cast. So like like, the more clarity there is, the more people can self-select in or out before they get to a point where like, you know, they've committed, you know, they've not taken other jobs because I do think right now casting tends to be a little broad. Well, they're just say there is nudity, there is simulated sex, which is super, super broad. That's a very hard thing for an actor to decide if they're comfortable or not when there's no specifics like that. Yeah. There's a very big difference between deciding at home in the comfort of your own bedroom when you're like sitting, sipping a glass of tea, like, oh yeah, I think I would feel comfortable doing like being nude on set. Like that sounds like a, a thing that I feel confident in. I feel really confident in my body and I feel excited to like go and work on set versus then getting the information that, 
oh, not only are you doing nudity, but there's also 40 other people around you doing nudity. Now that context and really shifts the potential for my ability to consent as well, because not having all the information and the specific information means that I actually can't consent to what's being proposed. So I need more information. Uh, it's something that when it comes to casting, you know, something that I, this, this always comes into my mind. I was working on a show and I asked, I was like, great, did you send a breakdown to the, to extras casting about like what the scene was about? And they're like, yeah. And come to find out uh, on the day that they had sent the language that we were working in, uh, that the scene was to take place in a club, but they didn't say that it was specifically in a strip club. And that we had confirmed because I individually called all of the actors who were doing the nudity for the day. Um, so they all knew the, the context. But the other BG, the other actors, the other background performers who came to set that day didn't know that they were actually getting ready to participate in a scene where they would be looking at other people's naked bodies. And... I had a lot of actors come to me and say, hey, I really don't want to sit at one of these tables close to one of these performers who are doing the nudity. I would really prefer if I was like tucked up into the back or, or like, I don't even know if it's going to be okay with my partner if I'm here today now because of the content in the scene. So really reminding ourselves that to have consent in consent culture, we need specifics. That's what we need to start getting into these casting breakdowns that are really specific. And, you know, could you can say involves nudity and then, you know, wait for details from the director and the performer to like come together and decide what that means. But if you have a, a like baseline of nudity that you're hoping to see, if you're saying, oh, there has to at least be the illusion of nudity, then that should be stated up front, I think. I think that that's got to be transparent unless you're willing to say, oh no, this, this person's acting is so fabulous that I'll lose the nudity completely. Well, great. But if you have to see some sort of nudity for the show to go on, well, then we need to take that into account for transparency and consent. When we talk about I do sometimes, we really mean I email the correct department and they do. That is part of the coordination job, is the liaising between the things. So if I foresee oh, I happen to have information that I'm not sure if another department got. Like for instance, in the example I gave about the bed sheets, if I know as the intimacy coordinator that the intimacy in the scene is now going to take place on the bed because I've had a discussion with the director about it. And in my mind, I go, oh, okay, if we're already gonna be post-bite and there's blood and that then goes on the sheets, I'm just gonna email set deck and make sure that they know for a fact or props and make sure that they know for a fact that now a bloody actor is now doing an intimate scene on their, on the bed so that they can then do the work of their department and have all the information that we can possibly share. That is the coordination part of our gig. We're not doing it ourselves. That is an overstep. Please don't, don't go do stuff. That's not your job. Intimacy coordinators, just do your jobs. <laughs> Even though we're still defining what our job Communication. is. Communication. Yeah. Yeah, because one thing I have found is so many times an actor and a director will come up with a great idea in a meeting that's like a day or two before. And like using blood as an example, one time I had an actor pitch that they thought it'd be fun if it was period sex. And everyone was like, that's an awesome idea. It's not written in the script. We should do it. Um, and then I, 
you know, checked in the next day with costumes and with set tech. And I was like, did anyone talk to you about this? And the answer was no, no one had talked to them about it. Yep. And that's the thing. It's like just making sure yeah. that we are sharing this information that's also maybe embarrassing to talk about. Like maybe it wasn't that I don't think anybody was probably. Well, actually, I don't know that. I just think that people are sensitive about talking about sex still, even when it's simulated. Yes. My intimacy coordinator brain has like no shame about talking to you about the things that need to get done for work. That's part of the reason why I exist is to have the awkward conversations and hopefully make them feel less awkward and more accessible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. 100%. I feel like dildos is always one when you have to email props about that. Yes. I don't know if you guys have had this experience, but strap on still. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like I just feel, especially cause all right. I feel like directors love to be like, if we're doing a strap-on scene, don't worry about it. We won't see a dildo. And then I feel like I always have to email props and be like, they said we don't need it, but I just wanted to let you know because directors are terrible at changing their minds. And it's like, well, no one bought a dildo. You needed to tell props to do that. Well, and then there's that potential awkward conversation of, does anyone have something shaped like a dildo that we can put at just the like, you know, base of this harness? And then, then all of a sudden you have this, we're going to makeshift something in the last second, which can be quite genius or can be very awkward for an actor, depending on what you're deciding to then place next to their groin. The other thing that I think is great when we talk about things like, like uh, what is available in a scene to make a scene more rich and also more realistic because I love seeing realistic things in media because I think that that really enriches the lives of of everyone who absorbs that media because I learned a lot about sex that wasn't true from the media growing up personally. Uh, I had a lot of bad expectations around what sex would be based off of my watching TV and movies. And uh, when we were talking about sex toys, the first thing that came to my mind was, and then I would ask if we're going to put a bottle of lube in the shot somewhere and if it would be open because I know so many directors who, when I've brought that up, they've been like, oh, that's a great idea. Or on the other side, oh, that seems like it's a little too much. Like that seems a little too graphic all of a sudden. So really also getting the vibe of, all right, what kind of story are you telling? Are you telling yeah. like how are how transparent are you being with your viewers around how easy sex with a sex toy is if you don't have lubrication? Like there's all sorts of fun things to bring up about why you want us in the process. You want us in the process. I promise we're great. We're very friendly. Yeah. <laughs> you absolutely want us in the process. Again, this backs us up further into like what the landscape has provided thus far that's created some confusion for us where the entry point is. And also like for us as a community, I think we're finding that best practices would be if we were engaged in the casting process, certainly as the script was being finalized at bare minimum. But, you know, it's like we have been engaged in so many different spaces. Um, And I think the missing for a number of us is that not including us full scope right at the onset of the show or the, the episode or the series or the movie so that we have access to the scripts. We have, we can do a script breakdown. We can talk to casting. Hey, if you haven't cast these roles, this is some things we might need to discover and, and look for 
you know, because I can then go back and clarify at that point in time with the writer or the EP, hey, what's your vision here? Do you foresee having nudity or simulated sex or is this a, what's happening here so that I can help them flush out and then go back to casting and say, okay, listen, that looks like it's more nuanced in this direction or not. Um, I think that in this space, we've been very underutilized and possibly that speaks to the scope that not all of us are trained in a way to understand each of these segments of where we intersect. I think that's part of it. For me, that seems to be where there's been a huge disconnect of like, you know, we're on your team and I'm here to to support this vision, not interrupt it. I'm here to help make it more creative. So the more access I have to your process, the better I can support you. Yeah. And I don't think we're trying to imply too that like we should be helping like to cast like if that is not that is not the implication that that we're trying to say. I think that what I'm hearing, Annie, and at least like my understanding of this, too, is like just literally being able to be involved that early in process helps us to be able to say like, yeah, that is a specific enough definition of what you might want to give someone the ability to consent. or here's the questions that you might get as follow-up for this. You might want to be ready to have an idea of if this is important to you coming up. Because if we can help to offer that type of guidance within a process, uh, you can run into or you can eliminate future potential uh, misunderstandings because you've had someone at the beginning of your process saying like, hey, here's the most consent-forward practice that you could use to help engage actors in your production. Yeah. And I I have been on a show where casting was given wrong information. I don't think it was maliciously, but there was a main character who had been cast. And in the breakdown, they had said no nudity. And I don't know where that came from. Someone had just given them wrong information. And when I called that actress up to be like, okay, like here's all the scenes with like full frontal, like let's talk about it. What are you comfortable with? She was completely shocked. And it was supposed to start filming in like a couple of days. She'd been like a last minute cast. And that show ended up losing that actor because she had felt very tricked. Yeah. Um, And I genuinely don't think that was the intention of the show. I think someone really did make a mistake, but that doesn't, it did not help the impact on the actor of being like, I agreed to do this show. You know, like I signed all the paperwork, it all said no nudity. And now you're calling me and telling me it's like full nudity. Um, And that was, you know, that was like, uh, that was a real bummer to have her be so shocked when I had that phone call and trying to find a solution and her just being like, no, I don't want to work on a show that would say one thing and then say a second thing as soon as I signed on the dotted line. Mm. Well, I think, I think that that's so true, Catherine, that again, you know, it's like the culture of the industry has been such a lack of transparency that, yeah. When we are the first intersection with an actor that there is nudity or simulated sex, I find it disrespectful to the actors. I agree. Yeah. And I should not be the one delivering that or asking that question. Do you know this scene is you and your scene partner having simulated sex or that's the vision of the scene? And they're like, oh, no. I'm like, yeah, that's not cool. 
Yeah. And it, it also like it brings me back to the question, too, that Annie, you brought up. I can't remember if it was on or are off recording. So I will just bring it back in of what is intimacy? Mm-hmm. Why? Why are we having these conversations? Why don't we have definitions of simulated sex and nudity that are dictated via SAG-AFTRA? Like, well, one of the things that I think is really important to say again is that everyone's boundaries are different. For many reasons, people may not show certain parts of their body. May it be a specific cultural or religious reason? May it be because they just don't prefer it. Uh, And it's really none of anyone's business as to the why of their boundary, but it is our responsibility to help offer support for people when they feel like they are being asked to do something that is vulnerable. And I've had a lot of calls with actors who have called me up saying, hey, I didn't know I was going to ask to be shirtless. And these people are people who are male, who feel like they automatically should be fine with it is kind of what they were told by production because they don't need a nudity writer to be able to ask them that. And it's really hard for uh, actors to have to stand up and be the ones to say, hey, I would like to not have to take my shirt off, even though you don't need a piece of paper that says so. Because the power dynamics are just ridiculous. Like, you just have to remember that when we're talking about hiring actors on set, these questions aren't just about, hey, what are your boundaries? Are you feeling comfortable? This is their hiring process. This is, will I be hired versus will I be fired? Will I make enough money to pay my rent or get enough days on set to stay on my insurance? These are big, powerful questions. It's not a no pressure situation. I've had so many productions say to me, well, the actors will just, they'll ask us if they want an intimacy coordinator. And my comment back to productions is like, I hear, I hear the kind offering that you want to make which is, yes, if they want one, they'll ask. And I'm just wanting to remind you in this moment that that is a lot of power dynamics in place that would prevent an actor from asking for me versus if you say up front, hey, we have an intimacy coordinator available for you. Here is their information. They'll be reaching out to you to check in on the next couple episodes. If there's anything in there that you want to chat about, they'll be available at that time. That's a way different conversation than we're not going to mention that you exist and they'll ask for you if you need, you know, that's just, it's hard. In my experience, any show that says, oh, you can ask for an intimacy coordinator if you need one is a show where actors are going to be punished for actually asking. Like they want to have the plausible deniability of having offered it without actually having actors have those resources in my experience. Yeah. And hopefully not all productions are thinking that, but they're all trying to save money. Like, the, like, yeah. again, the, the lack of, of, hopefully it's not malicious. Like I, I always like to think first up, hopefully intentions are good, but also our culture around acting has so high pressure that to say yes, that really it takes away a lot of your ability to consent right off the bat. 100%, 100%. And I think that, you know, just going back to what you brought up, Rachel, what we were discussing earlier and how this definition varies person to person, what is intimacy? You know, what is nudity? 
Like, and, you know, we are looking to a network or a legal team to give us that definition when they don't have any idea what that is either. And I think that, you know, again, it maybe it, it comes back to since this is the field that we are working in, maybe that's something for us to explore a little further together. And perhaps we as a collective can come up with a definition that feels, you know, genuine and true. So maybe we can begin to offer that to the community because we are getting such differing definitions from each different network, from SAG-AFTRA, you know, it's like there's nobody has been willing to actually take a stand like is a male body part person with no garment on from the waist up. Is that nudity? Yeah. Someone with a no or so hard is someone who is has a, a, a chest that is considered in air quotes a male chest right now which means that there's just let, less fat in their pectoral region and is that someone who always uh should just be automatically assumed to have to be able to take their shirt off at any time no that shouldn't uh, the the inequity around nipples Catherine and i have talked about the inequity around nipples <laughs> so many times it's ridiculous uh we had a we had a nipple gate on one of the shows i was on because we were working with a non-binary actor a trans actor and then some cis actors and we were having this conversation around this pool party coming up and i sat there and i listened to their concerns and we had this talk and and i went to legal and uh, one of the requests from the actors was that essentially not to out them. And I was like, yeah, I, I 100% see why you would not want that and why you would not want to step forward and ask for this specific thing. Um, but we do need to figure out a solution to give you some more protection on set. So how are we going to approach this? And I called legal with this hypothetical and they were like, well, that just, we've never had to do that. So I don't know why why you're worried about this hypothetically. And I was like, well, what if it's less hypothetical and we need a solution? And it took them multiple days and many brainstorms. And yeah. Mm -hmm. also it's no one's fucking, sorry, am I allowed to say fucking? It's no one's fucking business what your gender is. Back the fuck off everyone. Like if people just want to live their lives, like People know who they are. So sorry, this is my, my gender coaching is like screaming in my face. Um, <laughs> One thing I kind of wanted to bring this back to, because I totally agree is, okay, so if someone is listening to this and they're an actor or they're a director or a production supervisor or whatever, and they're reading a square script, when do they reach out to us? Now, I would say when I work on shows, I kind of have two answers to that. One is like my very hard line. Like I won't work on a show unless you respect the fact that like nudity is anything that is showing kind of rear or like side breast, obviously full frontal, but that's never been a problem, but that's like sort of the beginning. And then anything like simulated sex is anything that is like touching below the neck. If I'm working on a show, that's like kind of my hard line. Like if you don't call me for the scenes, I won't work on your show. And then in general, if I feel like what I recommend is that we have a discussion about every scene that is clearly sexual content. And I mean that in kind of a light way where it's like, are they kissing in a way that is sexual? Like, which, you know, like, are they touching each other in kind of like a sexualized way? If they're doing, you know, if we're taking off shirts, like just anything that is going to have kind of like a sexual charge 
we should talk about it and hopefully I will be there. There might be some scenes where it's written that way and then I talk to the director and they don't actually want to film it that way. But that's my general hard line and then kind of like softer recommendation is anything with sexual content or hyperexposed content, I should be there. But I have to be there for these scenes. How do you guys handle that? Yeah, I think for me, like the I, the sweet spot is to come in and to be able to have the a the scripts and be able to have some open dialogue with the writer or the you know the EP showrunner about like their vision for for said scenes as I'm breaking it down. And for me, I too feel like the in terms of nudity, yes, side breast, rear, of course, front, back. The context is huge. Yes. You know, and also, you know, so that's a really big deal. And that's, that's in a reading the script and that's having, having a conversation with a writer about their intent and what, because so much is in the nuance and sexualized can be very intense and intimate and not necessarily any touching. Yeah. But the exposure could be very real and the wanting some advocacy in that space is warranted. So it, it's really nuanced. And I've had, you know, a networks hire me whenever there's touching and whenever there's a kiss yeah. of any sort. And then I've had other networks basically push me out the door because it's not full nudity simulated sex. And they're like, no, no, we're fine. And I'm like, yeah, you're not. Yeah. yeah. I was like, Annie, how many times do you get phone calls at the day after or the day of when they're like, actually, we kind of need you to come to set right now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you come back? You know, yeah. I was released after a rehearsal night before a scene because they had confirmed with the actor that he was okay doing this and you know i I was like you guys have a legal you have a writer in place you cannot do what you're doing and you know i had to go through the hoops of the legal team and like loop people in and be like this is this is out of the scope that i'm i'm not i don't want my name attached to this yeah, you know, like this is this is not okay, and you are not protecting this actor, and you know that was an uncomfortable position to take because the beginning of the season, and it was a brand new show, and you know it's like I had to be the heavy, yeah, in a situation where they just they wanted to save money, yeah, at the risk of hurting an actor who had never done anything like this. And and I think that something that I want to also mention is that right now, you if there is a scene with a writer, which means if there is defined simulated sex or nudity, then they have to have a legal piece of paper for actors at production to sign. That's what we say when we're saying the word writer. Um, if there is a writer in place, there has to be an intimacy coordinator on set, but not all companies, not all studios are like that. There is not a hard and fast rule. Now, sag After has highly recommended that for scenes involving simulated sex and nudity, and now we have to remember all the things we talked about earlier in the episode, that that is going to be studio dependent. Uh, From my experience, both and both now have the rule that if you have a writer, you have to have an intimacy coordinator. 
And they, I believe, usually follow the like simulated sex as any touching below the waist that's sexual or below the neck that's sexual, which obviously is kind of vague. But basically, I feel like when I talk to directors, I'm always like, if it's kind of a handsy scene, then we need a writer in a closed set. You know, we've touched on this a little bit. Like, I think it's behooves us as a community to create a standard for ourselves of what these practices are, because, you know, we're being asked to navigate in this, you know, the, the water's different in every pool rather than, you know, when I'm asked by a production, you tell us when you think you're needed, I'm like, fantastic. And I will break down your script and we will talk through it all. And I'll give you a schedule and like that whole thing. I think it is a much more transparent process for the whole production. It's a much better experience for the writer, showrunner, director, because you're partnered with somebody who has your back in creating this vision. You're not going to land on set with some flustered, upset, a resentful actor who wasn't given all the information. And, you know, we have time to prepare so that when we we land on set, you actually get the creative process in motion. You don't get like this, like this gristle of like, how are we going to do this? And I didn't know about this and, you know, so on and so forth. So uh, I, I think as a community, like it behooves us to help continue to, to set these standards even because we're being asked, not in a legal capacity, but we are being asked, like, when do you think you should come in? Yeah. Well, and two things I want to highlight about that, Annie, is first, how much labor that you took off someone else's plate, even in that short little list of what you said. You said, Mm -hmm. okay, if a production set gives me the freedom to say, hey, why don't you recommend when we need an intimacy coordinator, then I will read your script, I will break it down, and I will tell you, hey, here's some places to consider. What does this mean? The script line says they go at it. How? What is going at it? Oh, over here, I see that there might be a stunt double. Is that stunt double also going to partake in the nudity? Do we need to get a body double cleared? All of these things are things that, oh, I can give you a schedule of when these things need to be completed by to be in compliance with sag after guidelines. What you're getting is you're getting someone who has got your back the entire production, who is there to not just support the actors, but who's there to support the production, the productivity of the production. And 100%. time is money. 100%. And you're there to have someone coordinate, liaise between productions. It's part of the current definition of what an intimacy coordinator is in SAG-AFTRA is that we liaise between departments to make sure that we know exactly if, okay, well, if we've got to pretend like there is blood in this scene, do we have enough extra sheets for the bed if we're like throwing a bloody actor onto a bed? I know, sorry, that was a very graphic description. It's Halloween time, y'all. So like I'm thinking vampires, I'm thinking neck biting. <laughs> this is just where my head is at. So we're, we're considering all of these little things because ev- directors have so much to think about when they're on set. They have to think of everything all at once. And every department has their own track that they're worried about. We are also trying to be that department that comes in and helps make sure that those scenes are taken care of. There are less questions, less confusion. And like Annie said, 
more space for the creative process, more space to yeah. get shit done and then go home, go home safe and on time. Uh, that's, that's the joy. I, I, for my process, I very similar to the two of you, I have a hard line on if there is a writer needed, like mandated for the scene, I have to be there. Um, and I have to have, have prepped it, helped prep it. I don't have to be the one writing the writer, but I have to at least see it beforehand. So I know what I'm upholding. I've had studios say, I don't need to see the writer. And I've had to say, I really do because I have to know what I'm supposed to be legally upholding. Uh, that is all I need to see for it. Y'all. I just want to make sure we're following the rules. And, uh, as far as, uh, anything else beyond what needs a writer, I comment that I'd love to break down the script. I love script breakdown. It's like part of my favorite part. I make maybe one of the only intimacy coordinators who I've met who absolutely loves to break down scripts and do prep. Oh, yay, I'm not alone. So, but like, I love it. I love that part. And I recommend that, um, if there's a scene with kissing, uh, or a scene that, suggests a level of hyperexposure or intimacy that uh, I, I would like for the production to please let the actors know that I exist and let me send an intro email so that I have had the introduction to them that says, this is Rachel. They are here for you. They might, if you would like to reach out to them about any scene that does not involve a writer, they're happy to take her call. And they will be reaching out to you about the scenes that do involve a writer. So essentially, not just saying if they need an intimacy coordinator, they'll call you, but saying out front, hey, here is the intimacy coordinator that we have engaged for the project. You can connect them. And to prove it to you, here's an email with them as CC'd. Um, That's my personal preference on it, just so that there is more transparency and then I just have to hope that the actors feel safe enough to reach out because we're still working on that cultural shift towards it being safe to do so without fear mm-hmm. of retribution. Mm-hmm. 100%. You know, ideally, coming from the top, welcome aboard intimacy coordinators. And and then, you know, for the actors, you know, figuring out where are you getting this information to ask for something that hasn't been offered you on a production. You know, that is, that is a hard navigation, you know, because if you're not supported by your agent, like absolutely ask for an intimacy coordinator and you haven't worked with one before. So you don't know where the intersection might be. Is it necessary? Well, I've kind of done it before, but I didn't really feel right, but I'll be okay. I mean, these are the kinds of conversations that, you know, I have had with many actors on how do I know if I need you? And I'm like, if you are feeling weird or butterfly about something, you need to have a conversation with someone. That's such a great way to put it. Yeah. It just shouldn't be something that you have to, you know, navigate and and there's more nuance to those conversations than even that butterfly feeling about the scene it's like for instance i'm partnered with somebody what if i have arousal during the scene then what so there's the conversations are very um varied and people's concerns are are really different depending on who they are yeah 
Well, thank you guys all for talking about this today. I feel like that was really good to get everybody's thoughts on how we all kind of handle a very, a surprisingly gray area, which is when do we actually need to be there? So thank you all so much for being here. Um, You can find us at all social media platforms at Romancing the Screen Pod or email us at RomancingTheScreenPod at gmail.com. Cut!